Picture yourself on a vessel at sea in 1820. You've been out whaling for over a year, and it hasn't been an easy voyage. You were almost sunk in the first two days of the voyage, spent an agonising five weeks just to get around Cape Horn, dealt with depleted whaling grounds, and almost died in a fire on the Galapagos Islands. You have a year left in the voyage, but for once, things are looking up. You and your whaling buddies are finally chasing a group of sperm whales in the Pacific Ocean west of South America. One of your crewmates is repairing a boat on the deck of your mothership. All of a sudden, he sees a sperm whale heading straight for the port side of the ship. What happens next, and the events that unfolded afterwards, would eventually be the inspiration for the novel Moby Dick. This week on Cheeky Tales, we cover the epic voyage of the Essex. That's staying in. I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. No problem with that. First go, boy. Congratulations. Yeah, what a what a great first go at recording that. There definitely isn't a little bit at the end of the episode. 12 minutes a little bit. It has, we're 16, 17 minutes into recording now. Uh, not that all of that was failed attempt, but yeah, it did take two attempts to get that out. It's definitely not 10 o'clock at night. So you, so you said picture- Picture yourself on a vessel at sea in 1820. Yeah, I've got scurvy. Yep, I do too. (laughs) Let's start with saying whaling bad. Yep. And I do cover that a little bit. I cover the history of whaling and and what happened to stop it. Um, But yeah, this is the story that largely inspired Moby Dick. Cool. What? In a previous episode, didn't I say something silly like picture yourself looking at a map? Yes. Yeah, you did. Picture yourself looking at a map. Not just picture a map, picture yourself looking at a map. <laughs> so don't look at the map, just look at yourself looking at a map. <sighs> so we should mention, I'm Aaron uh, doing this week's episode. John, I'm you're here. listening in. I am the listener. You are the listener and questioner. And, and Sean, the giggling mess, is our producer. It's It might be too late for Sean. <laughs> We've hit critical oh, mass. Oh no, I've hit the, I've hit the funnies. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the afternoon Ooh, silly. I've got the, yeah, I've got the evening silly. Oh, this shit. might be a long one, boy. Uh, you said it was going to be quick. I know. All okay, right, boy. I'll compose. Harpoon me with that story. And- Good pun. Good Thank pun. You. Good pun. A brief history of whaling. Mm. Whaling bad. Whaling bad. Wait, what's the line? Cheeky. <laughs> Tails says Cheeky. no to whaling. Cheeky Tails no, says- they say no thank you to whaling. That's what it is. Cheeky Tails says no thank you to, to whaling. Legal or illegal. That's like episode four, I think, that no, comes from. I can't remember what it was from, but it, it was- Cheeky Tails says no, no thank, thank you. you. Was it no thank you to you, terrorism? I, I can't think remember. That was but it was just a- go, you can go check the transcripts, Sean. Just- oh, yeah, shit. Sure. I hate checking the script. Man, the filing cabinet is so big. <laughs> a brief history of whaling. Whaling dates thousands of years into the past, oh. with Korean rock engravings showing whaling as early as 6,000 BC. Oh, thank you for that history and for it being brief. Mm-hmm. Onto the story. Onto the story. Yeah. <laughs> the Basque people of France and Spain were the first to commercially Sorry, hunt whales. The Basque. Try Basque, please. Basque. The Basque. Blah. They dominated the industry prior to the, the industrial the revolution. Basque, blah, this blah, is going to be such a Did you say dominated? Just a- I might have. Who knows? Yes. Let's get on with it. The Basque people of France and Spain were the first to commercially hunt whales, 
dominated the industry prior to the Industrial Revolution. Much of the world had strong whaling industries with countries such as the Netherlands, Scotland, Argentina, Canada, Iceland, Russia, and even Australia having thriving industries into the 1900s. Whaling boomed through the Industrial Revolution, and as more and more of the world took to the high seas to stab a whale in the head, the international community started to take note of the fact that maybe this wouldn't be so good for the population of whales in the ocean. Shocker. I know, right? In 1948, the International Convention for the Regulation of Whaling was established with the intent of providing proper conservation of whale stocks and thus making it possible for orderly development of the whaling industry. This is all thrilling stuff. The organisation put in place catch limits for member countries of the whaling industry. Uh, Sorry, did I? I don't understand how that's wrong. The organisation, it makes sense, doesn't it? The organisation put in place catch limits for member countries trying to limit the over-exploitation of the whale populations of the oceans. Yep. In the 1970s, the global community started to become anti-whaling and through research efforts found that many species of whale were in danger of becoming extinct. All of this came to a head in 1982 when a moratorium on whaling was put in place, which still stands to this day, despite some fierce competition. A number of countries have opposed the moratorium and have continued to hunt whales. A number of countries. Yes. I thought it was only one. No, it is a number. Uh, and they continue to hate whale, uh, hunt and hate yes, whales they, despite they hate being <laughs> members of the convention. <laughs> they hate whales for sure, yep. Um, so talking about the, the catch limits. So one of the reasons why uh, all of a sudden everyone was like, oh, we have to do something about this. Um, the Soviet Union was reporting that they were catching 2,700 whales a year. They were actually catching 46,000. Whoa. Yeah, for decades. Yeah, so this- How do we have whales? I know, that's a lot of whales. Like- It's too many whales. I would have thought 46,000 whales would just be- Wouldn't that lower the ocean height? Removing all those whales out of the ocean? (laughs) Wow. Um, It just goes to show that when you think about- Is that why the the sea level's rising? Because we're not killing so many whales? Yeah. Come on. It just goes to show- like, when we talk about overfishing- Who's going to get offended over climate change? Shut up. <laughs> when we talk about overfishing, like, it was bonkers how oh, much of the bonkers. ocean we were yeah. pulling out. At yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. While today we mostly know whaling is that pretty horrific thing that Japan seems to love doing, we've heard it was a booming industry in the 1800s. While the whole world loved to hunt the majestic beats, uh, beasts, as is to be expected when oil is involved. Probably with U- majestic beats happening at the same time. I'm Just sure. Hunting those beats. Okay, I'm going to make sure that this Bears, whole sentence gets out so my joke beats. lands. Battlestar Galactica. In- what? Bears, you- beats, Battlestar Galactica. What? You know, the three Bs. Identity theft is a crime, okay. Jim. Millions of people suffer every year. I thought you were ragging on Battlestar and I was going to fight you for it. While the whole world loved to hunt the majestic beasts- Incoming joke. As is to be expected when oil is involved, the US were the most prolific, with some 640-odd ships in the industry, which was around three times more than existed in the rest of the world. Just US invading anything with oil. Joke. He said there was a joke coming. He said okay. there was a joke. All yeah. right, it didn't land. Fine. I'm it not didn't, funny. Didn't la- it didn't take off. All right, fine. We crashed on the runway. And then Christopher Lee tripped over Boo, his bomb. Boo, then Christopher Lee tripped over the bomb. Oh, I'm deep, sorry, everyone. Deep I'm sorry cut. for that poor joke attempt. Deep cut. Deep cut. Deep cut. Unusually, the meat is not the most important part of a whale, with many uses existing for the majority of the whale, including the bones being used for things such as fishing rods, corsets, 
something Aaron has plenty of. Blubber. Oh, sorry. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Good Got him. Producer Bones. approves. The bones are used for things such as fishing rod, corsets, hoop skirts, and umbrellas. This is in the olden days. Oh, yeah. I forget that. Yeah. Whalebone was like mm. a very mm-hmm. common structural yep. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the intestinal juices or Ew. ambergris. Oh, yes. Used to make perfume. Perfume. Yep. I didn't know that. And sperm oil from sperm whales being used for lamps and industrial lube. As you can imagine, there was a lot of industry. Uh, Industry. Industry. There's a lot of industry going on in the 1800s that needed some good lube. Industry. So demand was high for that whale goo. I I did know the ambergris because now instead of- Is it? No, I didn't know from that because I haven't seen that. Um, Instead of now killing them- I know. I know. Yeah. Instead of now killing them and gutting them for it- They make them spew, don't they? uh, Yeah. If you find whale vomit, uh, you're rich because that is expensive. Yeah, super expensive. So get out there on your boats and go hunting whale vomit. Make some cash. Yeah, start out a new industry. Industry. Because <laughs> I just said industrial. So industry. It, you know what? It's like how I always say Canada because I always think Canadians. Or like how my beautiful what are those, wife always sorry, says boy, barbarian. What are, what, what are those little hors d'oeuvres that people- Don't. Say? Canapes. <laughs> <laughs> Canapes. I know Did that one now. for some of our friends. Uh, yes. Let's go get some tapas. 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 You, you know, it's not funny to say that anymore because it's been so long that people don't remember it was in the IT crowd. Yeah. So then you just sound like an idiot. You sound like an idiot. Yeah. That's, <sighs> that's happening a lot in the barbershop at the moment. Yeah. Is I'm quoting things and people just have no idea what I'm talking about. Someone didn't know steamed hams the other day. What? Yeah, I know. Unacceptable. All the Aurora Borealis jokes that I make. Everyone should know huh? Aurora Borealis. I've I've made, I know you've explained it to me. I was just seeing if I could roll I, yours up and I you, saw that. you did. I did see the look just, in both of your eyes. And I went, whoa, I was, need to nip this in the bud very quickly. That was, that was that was a moment of pure rage of just like, what? I had to nip that one in the bud very quickly. That, that was the physical representation of the Metal Gear Solid alert noise. <laughs> Please stand by. Hang on. Oh, my headphones are cutting in and out. Please tell Have me you up. got them again? Yeah, they're right. Just the left yeah, one is dying. That. It's an old cable. I'm oh, just wiggle the cable around. I don't think I have it on this phone. Like spin it around. My cable don't wiggle, wiggle. It folds. I don't have it on this phone. I did oh, have that as a message tone. Look it up. What is today's story all about, though? Aaron doesn't know what that sound is. Yes, I do. Okay. Not as much as we do, but that's okay. Yeah. I have played a medical. Whoa. Metagolus. I have played a <laughs> solid. <laughs> What is today's story all about, though? So, now that we know that whaling is thankfully a much smaller industry than it was in the 1800s, mm-hmm. what was the Essex? How and many, what was it? What? How many whales are getting killed today per year? A lot less. Per year. Do you have- I think it's like Japan, I think, do they kill about 20 or 30 a year? Um, that, that is a lot less than 46,000. Japan's the only country that makes ships specifically for it still. Okay. So, what was the Essex and what was it doing out there in the ocean? Love goes out to the she, she shepherd, 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 sea shepherd, shepherd, she shepherd. absolutely. Every sea shepherd single, on the seashore. They spend every single dollar of their profits on funding their anti-whaling campaigns, as well as a lot of their other conservation activities. You don't hear about it anymore. No, because- Because they did their job. No, Japan, um, they still whale, but they have 
they no longer whale in Australian waters. Yeah, Sea Shepherd can only go so far with the amount of funding they have for the um the what do they call it? It's not they use a particular designation in the ship, but they've got the the Bobo and the Steve Owen and something else. Mm. But they do a lot of work with other projects as well. It's actually fascinating if you want to look it up. For instance, um, seal clubbing. They would kill seals for fur. Yep. So Sea Shepherd spent a crap load of money going and researching how they could shave the seals without killing them because they realized they couldn't stop the f- seal fur industry. Yeah. They're like, how can we make this better? It's not all just ramming whaling boats. They good. do a lot of good. I actually didn't know anything about the whaling uh, other than the whaling boats. Yeah, because so. it is the most prolific thing. Mm. Anyway. So what was the Essex and what was it doing out there in the ocean? That's the third time I've said that. Well, it was obviously whaling. it was a whaling ship. Thank you, boy. Thank you. I'm but listening. It was- it was built in 1799 in Nantucket, Massachusetts. <laughs> I know, right? Fun to say. On yeah, the American Tucket. Eastern seaboard. The Essex was 26.7 metres long or 87 feet, 7 inches. 7.3 metres wide uh, or 24 feet. How long is that in furlongs? <laughs> I actually, there was a mention of furlongs in this and <laughs> yes! I didn't look it up. I didn't use it in this. Damn it. So what, how long was it again? Hang on, let me see. If yeah, what's- Modern day calculator. What's 26 metres in furlongs? Length. I also need rods, chains, and how heavy it was in stone. Furlongs is not in my um, converter. <laughs> oh, what a oh. <laughs> And it was 3.8 metres tall or 12 feet, six inches. Or three chains. <laughs> With five whale boats. So it was one and a half Christopher Lee's tall. Sorry, how many boats. hands is it? <laughs> America will use anything but the metric system. I'm so sorry. I got the sillies. There were five whale boats on it that could hide six men apiece. uh, And it was actually quite small for a whaling vessel. Why are they hiding? Hold. Oh. He did say hide. Did he he say say hide? hide. Fact check. Well, they can hide hide in there too. What else are you going to do with shit? I thought they were literally hiding. Like, do they have to hide from so the whales don't see them? Like, No. So the whale boats are like, almost like a life vessel, but they're- they get dropped in the water, the men get in that, and then they chase the sperm whales around like that. Yep. By the time of our story in 1820, the ship was already 20 years old, but despite its age, was quite popular, having had a number of very profitable vo- wow, having had a number of very profitable voyages in her time, leading to a reputation as a lucky ship. In fact, the captain and first mate on the fateful 1820 voyage had been on the previous voyage of the Essex and had been promoted to their positions due to its popular uh, profitability. So yep. Yep. ship's got a good history. Does good. Gets money. Yes. The Essex would depart Nantucket on August 12th, 1819 for a two and a half year whaling voyage. Captain George Pollard Jr. was one of the youngest men to ever command a whaling vessel with his first mate, Owen Chase, just 23 years old as well. So, Owen Chase is out hunting whales. Yeah. Like, come, on, come on. Yeah. Bit on the nose, isn't yeah. it? There would be 21 men on board when leaving Nantucket, heading first for Cape Horn to round South America and enter the Pacific Ocean. It wouldn't take long before trouble was struck, though, with a sudden squall, a big windy boy that lasts minutes, usually along with a storm, almost capsizing the vessel and causing some of the sails on the ship to be lost. Two of the whale boats were also destroyed leaving just three available for use. Despite the damage, Captain Pollard would decide to carry on with the voyage, not stopping for repairs or to replace the destroyed whaleboats. It would take a further five weeks to reach Cape Horn, which was very slow. And with a troubling start and slow progress, 
The crew began to speak of the voyage being cursed with bad omens. Oh, no. And boy, was it. It was now January of 1820, but the crew would reportedly find the waters of the Pacific Ocean to be much more fun, <laughs> with whales starting to show up all over the place. Yep. They would catch eight sperm whales, making 250 barrels of oil, before moving to Peru, catching more whales, making a total of 550 barrels of whale oil so far. That, that's a lot of barrels. Yeah, there's a lot of oil. What does one barrel hold? You know, like- I don't know whether it was like a full 44-gallon barrel. Yeah, okay. I think it must have been like a, a much smaller barrel. It's just a lot. It's a lot regardless of the way you think about yeah, it. That, that takes up a lot of room in the ship. Yeah, yeah. And considering it's not like a massive ship. And sure, how do you get oil out of a whale? It's not, I'm sure you don't have like a, a I, juicer. I assume it's- You don't just get like pieces of whale in a, in a like a- Orange juice and oil comes out. I mean, it probably is, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because I assume it's in the fat. This is not something I'm particularly interested in fact-checking. No. This soon after dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Again. Sorry, all I'm thinking of with this story is the whale that washed up on the American beach and they decided to- Yeah, they blew up. Blew it up. Oh, so good. (laughs) And didn't it crush a car? Yes. Like- Multiple cars. Kilometers away. Mm. Mm. Again, whaling bad. In the link tree. We'll post that video in the link tree if you want to- Great video. Also a link to Sea Shepherd's website to make a Absolutely, donation yes, or to buy some you. merch. We will have a link to- Actually, we might just post Sea Shepherd. Let's just post Sea Shepherd. We'll do our weekly post and then later we'll do a yep, Sea good. Shepherd post. Again, whaling bad. By September of 1820, whaling the Essex had made good. it to Atacames in modern Ecuador. Mm. That is not how that's pronounced, I'm certain. Where one of the crew, a man named Henry DeWitt, would desert the Essex, reducing the crew to 20. This what was a, pretty normal behaviour for a whaling crew. What a wit. That's never mind. What a detwit. Yeah, what a detwit. Thank you. This was pretty normal behaviour. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> this was pretty normal behaviour for a whaling crew. However, it was frustrating for Captain Pollard, as with the three remaining vessels holding six men each, there would only be two men left on the Essex during a hunt, which was not enough to safely handle a vessel of that size. Despite the frustration it caused, considering what was to come for the Essex, you have to say, DeTwit made the right move. DeWitt. No, we've nicknamed him DeTwit. He's DeTwit now. Or maybe he is DeWitt, because wit's DeWitty, smart. yeah. Mm. Really great move, not being on this boat. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the Essex would find the hunting grounds off the coast of Ecuador to be sparsely populated with whales, and on hearing of a new hunting ground four and a half thousand kilometres away to the southwest which was apparently full of whales ready for the stabbing, would so, decide what? I can say they're off the west coast of South Africa. South America. America. South America. Okay. Yep. So four and a half thousand miles. Kilometers. Kilometers from there. Yeah. So they're getting in towards like the Tahitian Islands. Yeah. Okay. I was just yep. trying to picture where that is. Yep. Yeah. So they're, they're like two thirds of the way between South America and Australia. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they head for that area hearing that it's good. It would be a long way from the shores for the men who were used to hunting in. That'd be near the Humpback Highway, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Still a bit away from that. Okay. Because yeah. that's, that's up the east coast it's of Australia. Coast to Australia. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be a long way from the shores for the men who were used to hunting alongside that South American shore. Mm-hmm. And there were rumours that we're cannibals on the islands in the South Pacific. Ooh. Despite the misgivings, the Essex would head towards the hunting ground. But first- they had to make a stop in the Galapagos Islands for repairs and restocking. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the moment that Karma took note. 
The Essex would anchor off one of the Galapagos Islands on the 8th of October in 1820, with the aim of restocking the vessel for the hunt ahead and fixing a serious leak on the ship. With their downtime on the islands, the men would hunt and capture 360-odd Galapagos tortoises to supplement their food supplies on the voyage. 360 Galapagos tortoises. Yeah, right. And those are big boys. Yeah. Creatures that can live nearly 300 years. Yeah. So, yeah, think about that. Yeah. Um, so, they got these tortoises, right? Um, they got them onto the ship alive. So, they're just letting them like wander around oh, the so deck. they're just walking around. Yeah, yeah right. they're like wandering around the deck. And they're They've huge. Got a, yeah. And they got heaps of them under the deck as well. They thought these things could live for up to a year without food and water. And they can live a really long time without food and water. Oh, but they can? Okay. In but reality, year. they were starving them. Yeah. Yeah. So, they have a very slow metabolism. Yes. Um, They found them to be very delicious and believed that they could live for up to a year without food or water, like I said. The majority would be held in the hold of the ship, and the plan had been to butcher and eat them as required throughout the voyage. Well, me don't spoil. One that's alive. Yes. Um, So you think they've got a year left in the voyage. They're going to take these things all the way home. And they come in their own bowls. Wow. Cheeky Tail says no thank you to, to murdering endangered <laughs> oh, Galapagos not, tortoises. Well, at this point, they weren't endangered. They weren't endangered. They are afterwards. They are now. Yeah. They I'm, might I'm, be just after this voyage. I'm, I'm not saying we're going to do it or we endorse it. I'm just saying, like, practically, they come with their own bowl. In addition to the tortoise theft and torture, one of the men would play a little prank on Charles Island. Torture. Very good. Mm. Tor- tor- tortoise torture. Very good. Good, good wordplay. So, they, they decided it was time. For mm-hmm. this little prank. Really? Little prank, yep. It was harmless. He just started a little fire. On just, the ship? Just No, on the island. On just the a island. little fire okay. trying to scare his mates. Just a harmless little prank between friends. Except for the fact that it was the dry season and it was windy. And so very quickly, the fire burned out of control and surrounded him and his mates. Oh. Oh. Yep. So now they're stuck on a burning island. Yep. They had to jump through the flames to get out, barely making it off the island alive, right? So, this island, the whole island, gone up. Like, picture a big Pacific island, all in flames. Mm-hmm. And now the tortoises are endangered. Well, yeah. The tortoises went from 250,000 Galapagos tortoises in the 16th century to less than 15,000. 360 000, on the ship. To less than, <laughs> less than 15,000. Why does my mic sound weird? To less than- 15,000 by 1970. Yeah. Humans suck is what you can say that. So, yeah, these guys barely make it off the island alive. They mm-hmm. get onto the, onto the ship and the captain's like, I swear vengeance. Great on- action shot in the movie, though, jumping through the flames. To yeah, escape. sure. Maybe if you're not a dick who set fire to an <laughs> island. But So, yeah, the captain's swearing punishment on whoever set the fire. So, the guy, the guy that set the fire, he was like, um... I'm not going to tell anyone. So he didn't tell anyone until like after this voyage was over that he'd done this. The fire would continue it, burning. He didn't want to get whipped. Punishment. Yeah. Punishment. How did you say it? Punishment. I was going to leave that one for the comments, but I'll put it up now. <laughs> the fire would continue burning through the night and into the next day. And as the ship set sail, they would still be able to see the flames on the horizon after a full day of sailing away from it. Just a navigational point. He just, he just said- the first ever sat nav point. It was an epic fire. Yeah, that sounds, it. that sounds huge. One of the crew would return to the island many years later. And it was um, still burning. 
No, found that nothing had come grown back. He was still just like a black wasteland. No grass, no ferns, no trees, nothing. Just black. And is that when he wrote the song, We Didn't Start the Fire? Wow. No. <laughs> the So, there was a- It was the, always burning. The, the Floriana Island tortoise and Floriana mockingbird uh, are now near extinct because of this fire. Yeah, right. Uh, it would have had to happen. The crew would take the Essex on towards the hunting ground after the fire. Some would say he was a Moby Dick. Yeah, some would say that. <laughs> Boo. All right, so they've got through the fire. Literally. They're unknowingly sailing right into a historically bad time. Okay. This section, this is where it gets juicy. Karma gets them. What do you think might happen to them? Well, you said it at the start, didn't you? There was fire, there was. It's the whale time. Once in the hunting ground, they found it wasn't quite as overflowing with big blubbery boys as they had been told. <laughs> big Aaron boys. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> it would be several days before they would find any whales. Tensions were mounting. Mm. With Captain Pollard and first mate Chase especially shirty with each other. Ooh. On the morning of the 20th of November, the men spotted spouts, signalling it was time for a hunt. The three whaleboats were launched with two men remaining on the Essex. Chase's whaleboat would harpoon a whale, with the whale giving one back and smacking the boat so hard with its tail that the seam opened, forcing the boat to return to the Essex for repairs. One of the other whaleboats, the one with the captain on board, would harpoon a whale and get dragged off towards the horizon away from the Essex in a manoeuvre they call a Nantucket sleigh ride. Again, they had to release the whale and make back towards the Essex. So these whales and they're just cruising around with harpoons sticking out. Yeah, side. so they've just been harpooning. He's like, all right, see ya, go. And then they're oh, on the back. Pretty funny if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that whale survived. Well, you say that because my only experience with this is, uh, I don't know if you can agree, Sean. We're going to bring it back to another video game. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Black Flag. There is a mini game of whaling in that. And you're in a like, very similar situation. You've got to throw a harpoon and it takes you off and, yeah, it drags you across. I don't know if it- Anyone out there that's I'm surprised they put whaling in that game. Oh, uh, it's historically accurate, I suppose. Period piece. Yep. Chase I mean, would- You're not killing actual whales, so does it really matter? Mm. Chase would begin repairing the whaleboat on the deck of the Essex and would be hammering in the nails on the canvas of the boat when he would notice a sperm whale acting in a peculiar manner. The bull, or male whale, Charging. was huge for yep. a sperm whale at 85 feet in length. 26 metres, so just three and a half, in the boat. Three and a half furlongs. <laughs> He's worked out the furlongs. <laughs> Is not, that what you've been doing no, the whole time? I have time? no idea. <laughs> so just shorter than the boat. Just shorter than the boat. The Massive. boat was 26.7 metres. This chonky whale is 26. Boy. This is a thick boy. This is a chonky whale. And it was laying motionless God on the surface it. of the water about 500 metres away or 550 yards from the ship. Sussing them out. What's Sean looking up? A furlong. Oh. Give, give it him the old stink eye. Just watching them. Yep. Just sitting there. They do that. Yeah. Have you ever been while watching? Yeah. They will- They will Come cruise, up and just watch you. Yep. Cruise up and like check you out. Mm. Very intelligent creatures. While Chase watched, the whale would spout water, drop beneath the surface and head towards the Essex, picking up speed and heading straight towards it. Nice. Before anyone could react more than just a, just a yell, the whale slammed headfirst into the hull lifting it briefly from the water like a leaf before diving under the ship and surfacing on its starboard side. Damn. While Chase prepared to harpoon it, he realised the whale was very close to the rudder and realising that harpooning it might just piss it off a little bit, 
thought that it might be smart to just not do that and keep the runner. I think it's pretty pissed off already. (laughs) The whale would recover during Chase's hesitation and would begin thrashing, thrashing around next to the Essex. In Chase's words, he was enveloped in the foam of the sea and I could distinctly see him smite his jaws together as if distracted with rage and fury. I turned around and saw him about 100 rods, 500 metres or 550 yards, directly ahead of us, coming down with twice his ordinary speed of around 24 knots, 44 k's an hour. And it appeared with tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. The surf flew in all directions about him with the continual violent thrashing of his tail, his head about half out of the water, and in that way he came upon us and again struck the ship. This is a badass whale. This is a dope badass whale. With this second blow, the whale would crush the bow of the ship. Oh. And with its damage done, it would pull itself out of the broken timber of the bow and swim away. So he was in the ship. Yeah, it broke through into nice. the ship. Pulls its head out, swims away, never seen again. Spits out a chunk of timber. And off it goes. Off it goes. See ya. Just the dam- flipping the bird off as he's cruising back on his back, just flipping- Flipping the flippers. Flipping tail. Flipping flippers. Yeah. The damage it had done would cause the Essex to take on water fast, with the men on the Essex now left <laughs> quickly. a whale-sized hole in the front yeah. of it. Oh, it takes on water fast. Oh, no, duh, boy. The men on the Essex now left quickly attaching sails to the whaleboat that they had been working on and collecting as much of the supplies and navigational tools as they could. Essex is going down. Yeah, it's gone. So it sinks. They somehow, though, managed to get, like, as much of the navigational stuff and maps as they could off it. Yep. So, now they're just in the whale boats. Nobody's quite sure why the, why the whale decided to attack. Sperm whales are usually peaceful creatures, much more likely to dive away from a perceived threat. Clearly, this whale was a bit different. Some believe the whale may have run into the ship by mistake the first time before attacking it, thinking it was another whale. Others believe it may have been provoked by the sound of the hammer, which uh, mm. the hit... Uh, may have thought was uh, another bull whale making a call. Because it wouldn't necessarily just be the impact. It would have been the vibration traveling down through the hull and yeah. then out in through the water, much mm. like their communication. Yeah. So that's what people think. It may yeah. have been that. It may have hit it accidentally and then I, got I just think off. this whale's a badass and went, I know what you're here for. Yeah. Come at me, bro. Yeah. And then, all right, I've fixed you. See ya. Yeah. All the men aboard the Essex would make it onto the whaleboats and would have some serious decisions to make. They were 1,900 kilometres or 1,200 oh, miles. that's right. They're not near the coastline. They're in the middle of- Yeah. Yep. From nearest land. So they're like almost 2,000 k's away from any land whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much halfway in between Hawaii and East Island, about level with the very bottom of Mexico, the top of South America. There you go. If you drew a line around the earth, that's yep. where they were. Yep. Mm. But- the men believed that the Marquise Islands, which were the nearest, had cannibals on there. Ooh. They would decide that the much more sensible option would be to make for South America, which due to the winds being against them, would require a voyage of 6,400 kilometres or 4,000 miles. So more than almost triple, no, more than triple the distance that they had to do if they just went to the Marquise Islands. Yeah, right. They would begin heading east with severe food and water rationing beginning immediately. What about the tortoises? What happened to the tortoises? Uh, yeah. Some of them made it onto the boats. The rest sank with sank the ship. Sank with the ship. Yeah. They would begin heading east, severe food rationing, 
Most of the food was waterlogged with seawater, though, and while they would eat this first, it would increase their thirst. Mm-hmm. By the time they had finished eating all the contaminated food, they would be rinsing their mouths with seawater and going full bear grills and drinking their own piss. <laughs> it's sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> As a quick side note, there were no cannibals in the Marquise Islands. Okay. Yeah. So they could have just went there. Yeah. And they apparently, according to people afterwards, if they'd just gone there, all 20 would have survived. Would have been no problem. And they would have met with uh, a culture who has the best hospitality in the world, like the nicest people. No, there's no one there at all. The Marquis. Yeah. No, there's people there. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just- Yeah. Because they thought there was cannibals there mm-hmm. and I'm making the joke that it was actually like- Super nice super people. Super nice people. <laughs> the long- <laughs> I love it when you have to explain it. Yeah, it's the best. Mm. The long, long, long attempt at survival. By December 20th, 1820, this is a month after the uh, attack on the ship- the men were hours away from beginning to die of thirst. Hours? Yes. That might be drama. Okay. They're hours away from starting to be really Dehydrate. badly affected yeah. by it. They would spot land in the form of the uninhabited Henderson Island. They could which- see a- Are you going to tell me they could see a fire? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, they, were in- they saw Henderson Island, sure. which was just a small coral atoll. They would find a small freshwater spring and would gorge themselves on not only the water there, but also the birds, crabs, eggs, and pepper grass of the island. Oh, Within, these guys are just- Yeah. They get there, they're, they're having let's a, eat it. Yeah, they're having smorgasbord of Pacific animals. It would take just one week before they'd exhausted all the food sources on are the island. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh There's probably not a lot of lean no. mass, but still, one week. Yeah. Come Do on, more week. Come on. I know you're out whaling and doing that kind of stuff, but- Having a whale of a time. You've got to ration people. Ration. Yeah. You have- so now they've got to make the decision yep. to get back into the boats and sail on. Please tell me this whale shows up again and smashes the little whaling boats. I just, I just- Oh, it's much worse. <laughs> Three men would decide to stay on the island, named William Wright, Seth Weeks, and Thomas Chapel. William wrong. Mm, well, maybe. They would watch the men sail away, sail with away, not one of the 20 survivors away, knowing what away. lay ahead of them. Who do you think survives? The guys on the boats or the guys on the island? Well, from all your foreboding for for boarding, I'm going to say the guys on the island survive. Guess we'll find out. They either turn to cannibalism and eat themselves or- The whale boats weren't designed for this kind of voyage. (laughs) And so they began to need a ton of maintenance just to stay afloat. They would leak constantly, with the men needing to bail water also constantly. The men would regularly have to lean onto one side of the boat to lift (laughs) the other out of the water so that another boat could sail alongside to nail wood back in. They would also continue okay. to be plagued with storms and rough seas and even reported that they could hear the sounds of whales following and harassing them in the night. So, nice. you'd just be like trying to sleep and then you hear the like mm. of a spout oh, yeah. and like whale song. And I, I guess they're not, they say they're harassing them. I guess they're just curious. Yeah, they're just hanging on. out. They're just, yeah. <laughs> Was it from Finding Nemo? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I can speak whale. Yeah. <laughs> Wait up. The three remaining vessels were led by Captain Pollard in the first, yep. first mate Chase in the second, yep. and second mate Matthew Joy in the third. Yep. Oh, no joy. No. Matthew Joy was becoming weak and requested to stay on Pollard's boat until he died. He would die on January 10th of 1821, the first of the 20 men to perish from the Essex. Obed Hendricks would be given command of Joy's whaleboat. I just realised who survives. Mm. Okay. DeWitt. 
Yes. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> On the 11th of January, a squall would cause Chase's boat to separate from the others. Mm-hmm. So now you've got yep. Hendrix and Pollard's boat together. Yep. Chase is off somewhere else. Yep. The men on Chase's boat were fading fast, with hunger starting to take hold of all of them. On February 7th, Chase would recount the slow descent into madness that the hunger caused when describing the actions of one man on his whaleboat. He spoke incoherently about everything, calling loudly for a napkin and water, and then, lying stupidly and senselessly down in the boat again, would close his hollow eyes as if in death. He would then undergo the most horrid and frightful convulsions while dying the next morning. Oh, jeez. So now, you've got a dead crewmate on board. What do you do? Toss him over the head. Just- That's right. You straight up eat the dude. Oh, uh, yeah. There's the cannibalism. Despite the fear of cannibals you had earlier. So that's what they did. They stripped the flesh from his bones, took out his heart, sewed up the body, and committed him to the sea. Ugh. I mean, couldn't you at least use him as bait and catch some fish? Nope. I, I do find it ironic. Oh, you got no fishing like, material. Let's not go to that island full of cannibals, cannibals. And yeah, then and they then they eat someone. someone. After the death of two others earlier on the boat, there were just three men left. At least they felt bad about it, with Chase later writing, I have no language to paint the anguish of our souls in this dreadful dilemma. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to survive, though, don't you? Like, yeah. It's not great. We cover the reaction to what they did later. Okay. Returning to Pollard. Oh, so they survive. Him. Spoiler. How do you know they survive? Just, I mean, we are telling the story. Someone yeah, had some, to survive. Some, 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 yeah. Returning to Pollard and Hendrick's boats, things were not much better. They had run out of food on the 21st of January, with 11 men remaining between the two boats. On the 20th, one of the men on Hendrick's boat would die, and the others decided that they needed to keep the body for food. Now, all three vessels had more cannibals than any of the islands they had avoided. <laughs> Shade Trump. Three more men would die between then and the 28th of January. After the third man died on the 28th, Hendrick's boat would separate from Pollard's due to the winds. There were only three men remaining on Hendrick's boat, and none of them would ever be seen again. A whale boat was found washed up on Ducey Island to the east of Henderson Island, where the other three men had stayed ashore earlier, with three skeletons aboard. Oh, so they've just done a huge circle. Pretty much. And come yeah. back to- Well, by the, they died, yeah. became skeletons, and then floated around until they made land somewhere. Yeah. So the currents would have taken them back there. Back to the island they left, yep. Yeah, so it's safe. They, they never positively identified the skeletons, but it's safe to say it was Hendrix and the other sure. two. That's a long time for them to be skeletons. Mm. Oh, birds and stuff might have picked them clean. Yeah. Are you invested in this, Sean? Oh, yeah, very much so. <laughs> I'm just doing my best to keep up with all the names. Ah. Yeah. Back on Pollard's boat. Mm-hmm. So that's the captain, Pollard. Yep. Things were not much better. They had run out of human to eat on the 1st of February. <laughs> it was just a skeleton. By, well, the bones were still there. By February 6th, with nobody, ne- with nobody dead on, to we're, gnaw we're, on. We're in February now. Yeah. Like we were just at the Pollard's start of January boat before. didn't have any people on it yet. No one had died from Pollard's boat yet. It was Hendrix's boat. No, Pollard's boat had people being eaten. They Remember the boats were together. Yes. Yeah. People had died between the two. Yes. So they'd run out of human by 1st of February. By February 6th, with nobody dead to gnaw on, the men had to make a desperate decision. There's four of them. Do we shoot somebody to eat them? Oh, jeez. That's right. Now they were discussing, discussing, discussing that one of them should, sh- uh, should die so that the others would survive. The men would draw straws to determine who would be the one shot and eaten. Oh, jeez. 
The short straw would be pulled by Owen Coffin, the 18-year-old cousin <laughs> of Captain Pollard. You're making these names up. Nope. You've got Chase, No Joy, DeTwit, and the guy who's going to be killed to be eaten is called Coffin. <laughs> yeah. Owen are Coffin. You, are you serious? I'm serious. Owen Coffin is the 18-year-old cousin of Captain Pollard and was on the vessel. While Pollard offered to be the one shot in his place, Coffin is reported to have said, no, I like my lot as well as any other. The men would again draw straws to decide who would shoot Coffin, with Coffin's friend Charles Ramsdell drawing oh, the short I was say, straw. His last name is going to be Pistol or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it was his friend. Oh, okay. Ramsdell would shoot Coffin and the three remaining men on the boat would feast on his remains. Just five days later- Did you have to say feast? Yeah, did you have to? I did, yeah. Feast is like, oh. do I have to use my favourite word again? But bro, that's icky. <laughs> the whole thing's icky. That's the point. It's icky tales. Oh, icky tales. Just five days later, another of the men would die, leaving just Pollard and Ramsdale left on the whale boat. So you've got three men on the island. Mm-hmm. Hendrix guys are all dead. Chase's boat has three. Pollard's boat has two. Yep. The nightmare ends. On Chase's whaleboat, things were grim. More so than they'd been after eating their friend. <laughs> they had again run out of food by the 15th of February and were start, uh, staring down the barrel of having to decide what to do. Thankfully for them, on the 18th of February, off the coast of Chile, they spotted a British vessel named the Indian. Made for it, were spotted, and were finally rescued. It had been 89 days since the sinking of the Essex. Wow. And this was the first of them to be saved. For Pollard and Ramsdell, things were even worse. By the 23rd of February, the men only had the bones of their crewmates left and they were sucking the marrow out of them after smashing them on the deck of the boat. It had been 93 days since the Essex sank and they were losing their minds. Almost within sight of the South American coast, the men were spotted by another whaling vessel, the Dauphin. But they were so dissociative that they didn't even notice the vessel pull alongside. And when they finally saw their rescuers became so terrified, they started stuffing their crewmates' bones into their pockets. They would continue sucking on the bones when on the Dauphin. That would be a weird sight. You just pick these guys up and they're just sucking on human bones. Shoving bones into their pockets. Skull and jaw bones in their pockets. Oh, that'd be so... That'd be terrifying, really, wouldn't it? Yes. Mm. It would take about a week or two before they came back to their senses under medical care. That's weird. Chase and the other two survivors on his boats would inform their rescuers of the three remaining men on, on Henderson Island, and a rescue mission was made for them. They were found on April 5th of 1821 alive and well, not even having to eat their friends, <laughs> making a total of eight survivors, seven eaten, and five dying without seven being Seven eaten. On. Seven men were eaten between the two whaleboats. Yes. Three whaleboats. Wow. Mm. After so this voyage. So the three just managed to live off the island? Yeah. They just managed to hunt birds and eat eggs and grass and stuff. Now that there was only three of them and not yeah. 20. Yeah. So they managed to stay completely well on the island. Yep. After this voyage, you might forgive the men for wanting to be landlubbers for the rest of their lives. However, all of them would go on the sea again within months. On arrival in Nantucket, the men received a surprisingly warm welcome. As it turns out, people kind of understood that cannibalism was a sad reality of shipwrecking at the time. Captain Pollard would have two voyages after the Essex, both ending in shipwreck, giving him a reputation as a Jonah. A what? A Jonah. What does that mean? As in like Jonah and the whale. Oh, okay. Bad luck on a, yeah. on a 
Yeah. On a, yeah. He would never sail again, reportedly locking himself in his room every night and fasting in memory of his crewmates on the Essex. He would also get a less than warm welcome from the mother of Owen Coffin, as he had sworn to her that he would protect her son at sea. He ended up eating him. I thought you were about to say he ended up eating her. No. <laughs> Owen Chase. Hey, hey, at least he could tell her that a piece of him is oh, always with him. <laughs> oh, nah, that's grotty. Icky. <laughs> there will always be a piece of your son with me. Oh, no. <laughs> Cut it. And it's his jawbone. Cut it. He's probably still got the bones stuffed in his pocket. Owen Chase would write a book on the disaster called Narrative of the Most Extraordinary and Distressing Shipwreck of the Whale Ship Essex, which would eventually become one of the inspirations for Herman Melville's Moby Dick. That is a title. It's a long title. Books back then seemed to have titles. That is a title. At least 12 words. Yeah. He would have a successful career on the high seas, eventually owning his own whaling ship. He would, however, be haunted by the events on the Essex, suffering headaches and nightmares for the rest of his life. Later in his life, he would begin hiding food in his attic and would eventually be institutionalised. Of the remaining six survivors, only one would die at sea, with the rest living out their lives and dying of natural causes. The end. Distressing. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can say about that story. Yeah. What a voyage. How badly did it turn out? Oh, that's- Are you researching can, it, Sean? Yeah, I've been, I've been deep diving mm. to, to keep yeah, in track deep of all diving, the nice pun. We can, we can look at other stories of similar thing, like the Everest disaster and stuff like that, and it's kind of their own fault. Yeah. Can't necessarily say it was their own fault. They got rammed no. by a, a whale. And they, they were doing the something that was completely normal for the time. Normal yeah. at the time. Frowned normal upon, the time. yeah. Frowned upon, but part and parcel of the era. Yeah. yeah. But again, this this situation was forced upon them. Yeah. It wasn't- um, Apparently, very common in sailing in these times. Mm. Like, you would get shipwrecked and just have to eat someone. Like- The will to live, when you're talking survival yeah. concepts, the will to live is the strongest thing that you need to maintain. And that shows a great example of the sheer will to, to survive. Mm. Well, they did talk about one of the guys <laughs> on the boat had just lost the will to live, live and died. died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while researching this, uh, I found um, reference to a book that was like the like the the rules of the sea at the time, and they yeah. talk about cannibalism in extreme situations. So, like people talked about it openly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it end of the chapter entitled "Icky Stuff"? <laughs> Things you shouldn't do quickly. Things you shouldn't Open do. Parentheses. Icky. Close parentheses. <laughs> Things that make you go. <laughs> Things that make you go, oh, stop, please don't. Oh, gross. Yeah, no, that's yeah. weird. I think the Things most that make haunting- you say no, and, you. and like you said, if they just went to the island where they thought cannibals were, it's probably lots of food and stuff. They could yeah, do. they would have been totally fine, would have been rescued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would they have been rescued though? Like, is it, that would have been- Wouldn't have needed to be rescued. It's, well, it was an inhabited French island. Like, the, Oh, was it? It was inhabited the Mar- at the, the time. Oh, you Islands. did say it was inhabited. Yeah. yeah. The Marquesay Islands are like- Part of the French colonies. Yeah. Okay. They just heard there was cannibals there. Yeah. Um, well, they talk about like the HMS Bounty. Um, descendants of that were living like hundreds of years later on the islands that they escaped to. Yeah. Um, oh, that was the mutiny ship, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. Yeah. So you can just go to an island to be fine. Like, yeah. 
Anyway, haunt, I think the most haunting bit is when they had to decide to shoot someone. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. Uh, uh. And then do it. And it sounds like the kid was just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Just kill me. Like, yeah. Haunting. Not the happiest of times. Like, yeah. You've got to, yeah. You've got to go through with shooting one of your friends and then like, you're probably that hungry. You just start eating them. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they didn't have a fire. Are they just eating raw? They were, they were cooking on flat plates. Okay. Yeah. But still, like- Not great. You have to cut up your friend oh. and then put him on, like put, you have to put Owen steaks on, <laughs> like, oh. So they'd already buried two guys at sea first. So yeah. as the custom dictated at the time, they sew them into their clothes and then bury them at sea. So they'd already chucked two guys overboard before they'd come to the conclusion that they, it wasn't just like first person dies, ah, better eat him. Better eat him. They buried two guys at sea first before they were like, okay, it's been a month. Yeah. We have no food. Yeah, just the, it was a month before they got to Henderson Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was the 18th of December or the 20th remember, of December. They, by they the time weren't they got actually there. on Ducey Island. They were actually on Henderson Island. They yeah. thought they were on Ducey Island. Mm. And they were actually very close to the island where the survivors of the HMS Bounty mutiny were. They were 120 miles away where they would have been fine because yep. there was people there. Europeans too. So like they would have just shown up and been like, oh, you're, you're European? Cool. Let's all help each other. Yeah. Ooh. And then for them to all just go back to sea within months. Now, do you think this could happen again? Like in the sense of, because I just looked over to your little Lego model, trying to colonize Mars. Do you think they're going to be in a situation where something similar could happen where they've run out of food and they might have to start eating people oh, on a geez, colony yeah. on Mars? Maybe. Boots on the moon, man. That's all that matters. Boots on the moon. Boots on the moon. I, I, know, yeah, I just I looked at maybe. that and went, I could see it kind of like repeating itself in yeah. that situation. You would hope they'd cut communication with Earth before they did that. But yeah, maybe. Anyway, on a cheerier note, Thanks hit for up listening. Uh, <laughs> at Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Where we will be posting- uh, There will be some sea images shepherd. that are not no, no, related to posting a link people. to- um, is it Sea Shepherd? Sea is Shepherd, that the yeah. organization? Please yeah. support Sea Shepherd because, um, and feel free to get the beep ready, but Cheeky Tail says, f whaling. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we will have a post uh, urging you to go and check out Sea Shepherd. They obviously do a lot more than whaling, uh, as we learnt earlier on. Uh, and we will have supplemental images that will kind of give you an idea of what was going on here. Uh, we do that every episode. Um, aside from then that- Then where can you find that, boy? What? Did, you, did you mention it? Where? I did mention that. At Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Doesn't hurt to say it again. Mm. And please feel free. Share us with your friends. Um, subscribe on your podcast app of choice so you get it straight to your ear holes every fortnight. Uh, and give us a share because, honestly, podcasts grow by word of mouth. Um, we can put this out there anywhere on the web, which we don't do, but we should. Um, <laughs> but the best way to share it is you telling your mates to have a listen, which you have done, Sean, and we saw the massive spike after you did that. Backstory, listeners. Uh, I was on a long road trip with some friends of mine from work and I was driving the 12-seater bus and we had pretty much gotten pretty jack of all forms of music at this point, driving back from Sydney. I'm like, does anyone listen to a podcast? They're like, yeah. I'm like, how about we listen to a podcast that I'm on? They're like, all right, context. I'm like, well, it's a stories podcast, so how about we listen to someone? They're like, yeah, sounds good. There was only one listen on our- I initially started with- (laughs) Analytics. I initially- started with um 
the Ned Kelly episode and I turned it off and they went, boo. I said, do, do you really want to listen to me on the stereo? I can just tell you the story. How about we listen to one that I didn't do? So we did Hatton, Hatton Garden. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the 1912 Olympics um, and a few great episodes and everybody got right into it. And funnily enough, it, the, the greatest faux pas of, I said the date wrong, the year. 1904. It's 1904. 1904. Okay. I'm off script. It's fine. I'm a giggly, <laughs> silly boy. <laughs> Not I've that done, episode you were. I might have done the beer reviews too early and here I am. Anyway, um, but yeah, they, they did that classic film faux pas. Where the podcast finished. I'm driving the bus and then they clapped. Everybody got <laughs> right into know. it. And Good then they, to know. And then well, first few, applause. Yeah. And a few of the members went back. A few of the guys on the bus went back and listened to different episodes and commented that, that I am referenced in virtually every single yeah. episode of this yeah, podcast. We did get a nice comment from someone that was like, hey, my mate Sean got me onto this. Keep it up. I was like, ah, oh, thanks, man. There we go. Mm. Anyway, thank you for that example of exactly what I'm talking about. Please share <laughs> us. Thank you, Sean. Good to have you back producing us. I do enjoy it. Do we have to talk about my microphone situation? No. You do have a sock over your microphone? Yes. <laughs> Sean was a poppy boy, so we gave him a makeshift pop filter. Yeah, get a photo of that. We'll put it on. This looks so phallic when I try to take a photo <laughs> of it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. We will see you in a fortnight's time. Good night. Good night. Sweet dreams. Little bit. Little bit. Picture yourself on a vessel at sea in 1820. I'm sick. You've been- <laughs> You've been out whaling for over a year and it hasn't been an easy voyage. Scum. You were almost sunk in the first two days of the voyage. Says Spent right. an agonising five weeks just to get around Cape Horn. Dealt with depleted whaling grounds and almost died in a fire on the Galapagos Islands. You deserve it. You have, your, you have a year left in the voyage, but for once, things are looking up. You and your whaling buddies are finally chasing a group of sperm whales in the Pacific Ocean west of South America. Ah, uh, yes, those sperm whales. Good old sperm whales. Good old sperm whales. All right. All right. All, <laughs> all right. All right. They'll be. You and your butt. You and your whale. You and your you butt. And your butt. <laughs> you and your butt whaling buddies. <laughs> Shit. You and your whaling butt buddies. You and the butt whalers. <laughs> Ooh. Butt whalers assemble. You and your butt can go and get whaled. The day my butt went ocean. You and your- Just wailing for my butts. Wail on your butt. Mm-hmm. You and your whaling buddies are finally chasing a group of sperm whales in the but- Pacific Ocean west of South America. But Marley and the whalers. One of your crewmates is repairing a boat on the deck of your mothership. All of a sudden, he sees a sperm whale heading straight for the port side of the ship. Of the mothership? What, what happened next and the events that unfolded afterwards- Crap, I lost my spot. God! <laughs> After all that, we managed to make it to- <laughs> That could have been the greatest intro in Cheeky Tales history. Maybe Dick and John, the butt whales. Of me and John shouting at you about butt whales, and okay. then you lost all your spot. All right, all right. I'll just start the sentence again. It's fine. If you don't little bit that- Maybe Dick and the It might become the actual whalers. intro. Maybe Dick and the butt whales. <laughs> it might become the actual intro. People have no idea what's going on. Okay, I might make that a little bit at the end.
please. Yeah, please redo the whole intro. The whole intro? Well, you yeah. have to. Okay. Without Sean yelling. <laughs> the whole truth and nothing but All the right. truth. Okay. I'll redo the, I'll redo the whole intro. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I, I was quiet. And then we'll do the other one as a little bit. I can control myself. Thank you. Little bit. Little bit.